Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Way Through Therapy. I am your host, Steve Bissell. I'm an author and mental health counselor. Are you curious about therapy? Do you feel there is a lot of mystery about therapy? Do you wonder what your therapist is doing and why? The goal of this podcast is to make therapy and psychology accessible to all by using real language and straight-to-the-point discussions. This podcast wants to remind you to take care of your mental health, just like you would your physical health. Therapy should not be intimidating. It should be a great way to better health. I will demystify what happens in counseling, discuss topics related to mental health, and discussions you can have with your therapist. I also want to introduce psychology in everyday life, as I feel most of our lives are enmeshed in psychology. I want to introduce the subtle and not-so-subtle ways psychology plays a factor in our lives. It will be my own mix of thoughts as well as special guests. So join me on this discovery of therapy and psychology. Hi, and welcome to episode six. Before I go on on episode six, just wanted to make sure you listen to episode five. Episode five was an amazing conversation with someone I consider a friend, David Bassano, and treatment of substance abuse and mental health. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please do. I just think that there's a lot of gems in there that are very helpful. But today, we're going to talk about a subject that's come up a few times with my friends and family and acquaintances and ask me, what happens when I sit down with my therapist the first time? And obviously, what I want to give you the disclosure that a lot of this stuff is my own ramblings. But I think that a lot of therapists will learn in the same setting as I did. And the setting is typically a social service agency. So I wanted to give a little bit of what happens and then maybe the differences from therapist to therapist and certainly share my view of what I do. And that way, maybe when you get in, you'll have an idea of what happens and also you can discuss what you want. So we talked a little bit about the stuff that you can ask your therapist. So when you sit down, I, I really want to emphasize that, you know, every therapist is going to do it their own way. They're going to have their own style. It's going to change from situation, so clinic, to a private practice, to a group setting. So most therapists will start off by introducing themselves. Most of them will talk about their credentials as well as their history, possibly as a therapist. I certainly always share that, especially if I'm working with a specialized group, particularly as some of you know, I work with a lot of first responders, correctional staff, medical staff kind of explaining that the history is also making some fam familiarity. And obviously, even if it's people who are not in that field, so to speak, I still do that so that they have a vague idea and the stuff that I have done. The obligatory discussion of paperwork, that's probably the bane of my existence. We absolutely have to do it. And I absolutely do it, but I just don't like it. So the paperwork, my paperwork's fairly simple at this point. I have some online, some of it is sheets of paper, but the paperwork is usually a whole identifying information, my policies, and then the HIPAA limitations. And I go through them, including the HIPAA regulations, even if someone said to me that they've been through this before, because HIPAA is where you say, and again, I'm going to talk about the suicide homicide and there's lack of judgment, which is HIPAA stuff. And I explain what the limitations are there. I also talk about who can look at their case, which is basically no one. The insurance company has access to it. And then we talk about release of information and who can see your information and what and how to fill out a release of information to keep some of our information confidential and things like that. 
So I usually go through all those, even though they know it. And mine certainly goes something like I talk about those things. We have specific regs in Massachusetts. There are specific regs depending on different states that are very similar, but I don't want to say that everyone has them. But when I do talk about it, I say I've I've worked on a crisis team. I've heard or done most of these things in regards to a person's struggles with suicidal homicide. So I don't panic. I'm not looking to put someone in a hospital and that's part of the conversation I have. But I also say that if I have to, I will do what I need to do in order to get you safe. So that way it's out on the table. A lot of people will say, well, that's kind of a harsh beginning. But for me, you need to be able to share that information because if you don't and then it comes up, then it might cause a lot of problems. And I also look for if for myself, you know, if I was going to a therapist, I would see how they discuss the suicide, homicide, and lack of judgment, and what they are, their policies are in regards to that, in regards to we don't have a choice. But we also have to see how a person is, because I know some people will have low tolerance. If you say, you know, I'm not feeling safe, then they're going to want to involve the crisis team and order hospital immediately, while others can discuss it and certainly have those conversations with your therapist. The next thing is policy. So policies are a little different because policies are go, go from one person to another within a state and within this, the whole country, people will have different policies for their office. So for me, one of the biggest ones, and I know this is going to be controversial for those who work with insurance companies or not, is the, the cancellation policies. I have a cancellation policy that's very clear and I explain what it is. So mine is a... 12 hour notice. Not everyone does 12. Most people do 24, 48 and that's fine, but that's the one I chose, but I have an idea of what the cancellation policy is and clearly what are the consequences to that. So not only does mine talk about what the cancellation fee is, but I also talk about, I don't put up with more than two cancellations. And after two cancellations, I can decide to continue therapy or not. This is within a six month period. Does that mean that everyone is like that? Absolutely not. And I also, because I work with a lot of first responders, my policy is, you know, if you're on call, you get stuck on another shift because no one's there to relieve you or you get forced. And there's a lot of these things that occur in that field. Then I understand, you know, and I'm not going to be considering that a cancellation. Obviously, if it happens too often, then we have another conversation. But I am very clear on my cancellation policy so that we can have that. We, we do not hide from it. One of the things that I would say to you is have those conversations with the therapist. It may be hard to start off with, but you have to have these conversations so you know where you stand. As far as the other stuff is concerned in my policies, my policies is about payment. Typically, therapists want the payment either at the beginning or at the end. And some people ask for an advance and that's fine. And that's everyone. For me, it's the copay is due at the end of the session. You can pay by pretty much every possible way and, you know, from cash to check to credit card. And I explain the policies for that, including my online database, which electronic health records, as we call it, which basically saves your credit card. And I make sure that a person knows that. And it's also in the policy. And if they ever is a change in policy, I need to communicate it within 30 days of change. So if I'm going to change it on August 30th, I got to get it in by July 30th, if that makes any sense. So that way people know what the change is and they can accommodate to it. So always very important to have those policy. 
I always, all, at the end of everything that I talk about policies, HIPAA, I do I go through the intro with everyone, I ask if they have any questions. So after that, I kind of go through the identifying information that they give me. And I look through any questions I might have in regards to what they wrote or if they forgot any information, which is important for a therapist, especially if you're doing health insurance information, the right address, the right person that's insured, the right, you know, sometimes people can write, write a little sloppy if they're not using the electronic records stuff. So you cannot read the numbers right, putting in that in. So that's the stuff that you want to make sure. And then I start with the same question for everyone. And I don't, I don't say that every therapist should do that, but this is how I work. And my question is always, why are you here? And when I bring up that question, it usually typically talks about what's going on in the here and now and what is bothering them today, what brought them to therapy. And I think that that leads to other questions about other things that's going on. For example, if they say, well, it's because things are not going well with my spouse. I'm like, okay, well, your spouse, how how long have you been with your spouse? How old is your spouse? Do you have any children? If someone says something about substance use, then we go through the history of substance use. And there's the dreaded word of history. You take a lot of history taking. So if you work in a social service field, you'll see that they usually have like a 10-pager, so to speak, which has all those questions about the history, whether the family, whether it's the substance abuse history, history of mental health, and so on and so forth. So some of them will go through that. I go more about the here and now versus going through a sheet of history. And that's why I start off, why are you here? And then it brings a lot of different things, you know. So once in a while, you'll bring up history of mental health if it seems to be appropriate. I don't think that it's a hard question to ask, but sometimes people can have shame around that. So it's never a question I'm going to go out of my way to say unless it's kind of brought up within the conversation. The other thing that I would say to anyone who goes into therapy on the first session is to also, as a client, ask your questions. We talked about that in a different episode. And I also encourage, like, if you go through the policy with the therapist or you go through the HIPAA regulations, I remember Brene Brown, who is one of my favorite authors, and she always says, unclear is unkind. And what I mean by that is if you didn't understand a policy or you didn't understand a procedure, what the roles are, how... The person uses communication, email versus texting versus phone calls. You need to be sure that it is very clear to you. So make sure that you get that. I also ask about, you know, tell people to ask about the focus of a person. So basically if a person says, well, I'm more looking at your history, well, maybe that's going to be more of where the treatment is going to lie about looking at the history and so on and so forth. If someone is in the here now, maybe that's the focus. And then there's a lot of different things that people can do, including scale, you know, testing scales. You've heard of some of them, I'm sure, but you know, see where depression scale and an anxiety scale and attention deficit scale, trauma scale, but there's plenty of scales. So asking those things and being able to have that conversation with your therapist and what they use is very important. By the end of the session, I think that it's important to figure out possible goals. So everyone does it differently. There's, again, there's a whole procedure you can do through social services. There's questionnaires that come out that are brilliant. How I describe goals is when in the last 10 minutes I go, okay, here's what I heard about what you said. And I kind of give a history of what I heard in regards to the client and try to really wrap it into a small bow. So it looks like you're looking for help with your blank, whatever the client is looking for. So setting those goals before a person leaves is very important. 
it makes for the next session to be much more productive if you set that goal before the next session and if the work has to be done by the client prior to coming back to the second session then they have an idea of what they need to work on so that's it for this week i hope you have a better understanding of what happens on the first session on episode seven we are going to discuss diagnosis i know a lot of people are concerned about diagnosis i have a lot of my clients who ask me about diagnosis and where i stand on that in the sense that they want to know what their diagnosis is. And I will explain in that episode why I don't think that diagnosing is the end all that be all. So I hope you like and subscribe to my podcast. Do it on your favorite platform. And I am looking forward to talking to you on episode seven.